Nazarene, we are so happy to see your faces, to worship together. Uh, we're going to just focus on the Lord today. So if you're a visitor, we want you to know that you're very important to us. If you're looking for a church home, we hope that you just found it. We want to minister to you, but we want to worship the Lord at the same time. And so if you have any questions about our church, please let us know. Um, also, we just want to ask that if anybody has a cell phone and you're not using it for your Bible app, if you would just turn it to silent so that we can eliminate distractions uh, and be able to hear God's voice at all times. And with that, we're just going to raise to our feet if you can. If you can stand and worship the Lord, give him everything that belongs to him, your whole body, mind, and heart, and our worship of song. Let's do that. If you cannot stand, that's okay. Please feel comfortable to be seated. But let's go ahead and worship the Lord. Father, we are so excited that we get to be in your house. This is your place, and you're inviting us into your house. And so we thank you for that. We praise you. We worship you, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Amen. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Yeah, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place.
pray with me? Lord God, Lord God, we are yours. You've redeemed us. You've ransomed us. God, with your blood. God, you've overcome sin and death in the grave. And because of you, we have overcome these same things, God, because you live forever, God, we will live forever. This morning we celebrate this day, the day when everything changed, the day when the course of human history was changed forever. God, an upward path. God, because of your power, because of your love, because of your holiness, because of your righteousness. God, as, as we go forward, as Pastor Steve brings the message, we pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to move in this place. God, that you will imprint on our hearts the message, the word that you've given him, God, that you will draw us closer and that we will continue in an attitude of worship as we press forward with our hearts and our souls to know you. God, to try to understand the great and marvelous and unbelievable thing that you've done for us. As you, as you love us still, as much as you did that day, God, as you love us still this day. Your arms are open wide, God. God, this morning we, we praise you. We seek you. We worship you, God. We, we love you. Let's go. We lift all these things up and then Precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we, we say that, that you are Lord, God. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. And, I, and I like to, as the musicians continue to play and the lights are kept down, I sense like this morning, Jesus, we know, is not in some tomb, some casket. He's not in some urn. He's not a figment of our imagination. He's not some high ideal or some philosophy. He's a personal savior that we have. And this morning, he wants a real intimate relationship with every person in this room. Whether or not that you're that person, the good news is that you can be. That's the good news. Is that it's not somebody that is talented or gifted uh, we're born to a certain kind of a, a family with a certain kind of a name that you have to be really smart or that you have to be really rich, that you have to have everything working out, that you can know Jesus. You can know Jesus as long as you'll open up your heart for him to come in. But sometimes what prohibits that kind of a movement in your life is this kind of a, a posture that you have toward God where you have your finger in his face on certain items in your life, certain things that you know that he wants that you've been reluctant to give him. And what I want to say to you this morning is that we can take our finger out of his face because here's the deal, that if we're those people, we know we don't have peace. Does anybody relate? Anybody relate? You remember what that was like? If you're a Christian this morning and you remember what it was like to not have that peace, there might be somebody like that in this room. You're fighting. Yeah, boy, you're kicking and screaming and you're saying, man, it's going to cost me too much. If I, if I decide to make a commitment to Jesus... I'll have to give this up or I'll have to give that up. I want to say to you that the lie that comes from the very pit of hell is that you would miss that when you grab a hold of God. And we know the truth. Don't we? This morning, do we know the truth that, you know, 
We never regretted that decision when we made it. Whatever it is that we had to part with, it didn't pale in comparison to the hope and the peace and the power and the strength and the love and the grace that we have access to because we know God. And I'd like you to bow your heads and I'd like you to, to think about what I'm saying this morning because I believe that whether you're young or old, male or female, it doesn't matter who you are, that if you don't know God, you have a need for God. You need Him. Together with this kind of a deliberation this morning, I'd like to also invite the children, all of our children that are school age, to come up. We pray for them before we dismiss them to Children's Church. I'd like you to just have come up here and kind of sit right here. We're going to pray for you. We're also going to ask the ushers to move forward as we are getting ready to collect tithes and offerings as we worship the Lord. Brothers, if you would assume your, your posts. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you so much for these little guys. <laughs> They're precious in your sight. And we thank you, God, that you're going to do something in their little hearts this morning, that you're going to speak to them, that you're going to bless them and by your spirit through these workers that we have in our children's area, that you're going to speak forth truth into their lives. You're going to give them promises that are meant exactly, specifically for them. We pray at an early age, no matter what it is that the world tries to insert, that your Holy Spirit would guard their little hearts and minds. I thank you for these little guys. We as a church are grateful that you have allowed us, entrusted to us, these little people. May we not neglect to teach them your ways as parents. God, as we continue to pray that there are folks, parents, maybe aunts, uncles, grandparents, great-grandparents, that in order to be that kind of a example to them, that we need to get you, get you into our lives first. We need to get right. And there might be people in this room this morning, God, that as I was talking earlier, that they know that there are things in their lives that they just have not surrendered. And there's not peace in their hearts. There's not peace in their lives. And they know that they should live for you. They know that they should surrender to you. They know all these things cognitively. But they've not done that in their hearts. And this morning what I'm asking God, I guess, is that as the word goes forth with a full recognition that you're no longer in some grave, that you're the risen Savior, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you is what the word of God says that we could be able to, on an Easter Sunday morning, April the 1st, 2018, could be a line in the sand, that it can be the time when we uh, would mark on the calendar every single year, the anniversary when we quit fighting you, when we decided that we were going to go full speed for you, that we were going to allow you to do whatever it is that you wanted to do in our lives. We'd be able to say, it was that time, it was that day, it was at that church, there was that preacher, and it was that message and it was that scripture passage. And I'll never forget that the Holy Spirit came into my heart. And he said something to me very clearly. And as clearly as I can hear a voice, just even right now, the pastor preaching, the pastor praying, whatever. 
that I heard God. And it was that day that I surrendered. Maybe for that individual this morning that is hearing this, that we could surrender. And by the time that we're done here today, that the same way that when you breathed your last on the cross and that voice, it's finished. That the fight, the tug of war with you could be finished. That's what we pray. Anoint your word, Lord, this morning. Have your way in everything that we talk about. We didn't come to hear from an individual. We came to hear from you. Speak to us, God. Have your way with us. Show yourself mighty and strong. And as the ushers are getting ready to do what they do, God, we pray that you bless each gift and each giver and use all the things that come in for the furthering of your kingdom and the glorification of your great name. For we pray all these things in the best name that's ever been uttered. That's the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. And amen. Kids, God bless you guys. Follow Miss Jennifer. Have a great time. We'll see you all later. And the rest of you can be seated. How many of you are grateful to be in God's house? Anybody? That was weak. Are you grateful to be in God's house this morning? Amen. How you doing? He's going to help me preach this morning. <laughs> My name is Steve Sanchez. I'm the new lead pastor here at, uh, at Community Fellowship. And we are so glad that you're joining. If you're here with us this morning for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to say to you that other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself, you're the most important person in this place. And we hope that you feel that. We hope that you sense that this morning, that, um, that you are greeted warmly and that we are absolutely here uh, to make this worship experience for you special. And uh, obviously it's uh, Resurrection Sunday and we are here to celebrate the fact that Jesus... Uh, paid for us by his blood that we are redeemed and that someday we are also going to be with him in paradise and I'll tell you what I can not even wait but we still have some unfinished business here God still wants to do something with us while we're here and so because of that we're going to share something out of the word this morning and um, it's going to be something that's kind of just uh, the flavor of, of uh, resurrection Sunday uh, normally on Sunday morning, we've been in 1 Thessalonians, so I guess that's my segue to say to you that if you do not have a church home, if you don't have a regular, consistent time to get into church to worship the Lord, we want to invite you to come back. We want to invite you to be a part of what God is doing here. And uh, I just got here in January, and God is already beginning to move and do mighty things, and um, you're going to want to be a part of something like that then you should come. You should see what God is doing and, and participate. And, and we can expand the kingdom of God together. And, and so come back and check it out on a regular Sunday that we have. And, uh, and it's always an amazing movement of God that, that takes place. So come back. Uh, normally we have uh, our service at 1045. And, um, and so on Wednesday nights, if you're saying, hey, I need a refuel. How many guys have ever needed a refuel midweek? You're like, man, you know what? I feel like I'm dragging. You know, I feel like I'm tired and the world has been beating on me a little bit. You know, anybody ever had the world beat on them? And the rest of you aren't paid attention or you're lying. <laughs> world beats on you and you have a hard week and things are difficult. And sometimes you say, man, you know, I need to get in, in, a, in a Bible study or maybe I need to be around other believers to be built up. Well, Wednesday night might be that opportunity for you. Uh, we study Philippians. Uh, we meet in our fellowship hall until we outgrow that. 
And, um, and so uh, we're, doing, we're doing amazing uh, Bible study in there, great comments, participation that we have in there. And uh, people are beginning to change and grow because of it. And so, you know, you want to refuel? Come on Wednesdays as well. That starts at 6 o'clock. No, it doesn't. It starts at 6.30. So there you go. You know, when you're new at a church and uh, from another place, but you're used to the other timetable, sometimes you give the wrong information. So 6.30, Wednesday nights, okay? Um, I think that's all the business that we have. And uh, so we're going to get in the Word. How about that? Amen? All right. Awesome. Well, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, when a pastor is praying about what we could preach on, what we could teach on, what we could communicate on a, a Resurrection Sunday. And probably the thing that's at the top of the list when you start to think about what Jesus did for us, what he means to us as believers, is life. He grants us life that we didn't have. That before we knew the Lord, we were dead. The Bible talks about that we were dead in our transgressions, that we were dead in our sin. That we didn't have hope, we didn't have any kind of... Um, uh, opportunity for uh, tomorrow and you know we kind of just went through the motions uh, I don't know how many of you guys grew up in church uh, I didn't grow up in church uh, I didn't grow up going to church I didn't know anything hardly at all at all about God and I can remember that the conditions leading up to my salvation experience when I was born again that everything leading up to that was darkness uh, I, I didn't I didn't want to live and there were things that about about myself that I was um, very much I was embarrassed that if anybody knew, if anybody would have found out about, that I would have been ashamed. And can anybody at all relate? It would have been um, in the right, right January 1994, and I was uh, just come come home from military. I was prior Air Force, been to Desert Storm, um, and saw some things there, and. And, uh, of course, you know, you, you've altered, you're changed, and uh, things that, that uh, you experience, that they really impact you. And some of the things that I had experienced impacted me and not for good. And um, I remember that I was somebody that was really just not a happy individual uh, about life. Um, I was uh, pretty, pretty jaded. I was somebody that was um, kind of just closed off. I had walls up. And to be honest with you, I didn't really like people. You know, it's amazing how God calls folks. Because you think, wow, you kind of have to like people to be a pastor, you know. Just saying, right, you know. Uh, you have to like people. Uh, but in those days, I didn't like anybody. I didn't want to be around anybody. Uh, people bugged me. I mean, you know, not just that you did anything, just your existence. What do you want? Why are you standing there? Go away, you know. I was just constantly annoyed. Did anybody relate? Like, you know, like you're elbowing your spouse because that's who he is or who, that's who she is. I don't really like, you know, I don't even want, why are you sitting next to me? You know, go, that's why I put my purse here. <laughs> right? That's why I didn't take a shower because if I stink, then nobody's going to sit next to me. It was kind of like, what is it, uh, Peanuts? And it had that one character that always had flies and dust or whatever it was. Who was that? Was that Pigpen? Pigpen. You guys remember Pigpen? So you got this little cloud of dust hanging over you as you're sitting there listening to the sermon and nobody wants to sit next to you? You didn't take a shower because you don't want anybody sitting next to you. I was that guy, not the shower part. <laughs> I, I mean, I was, I was constantly fighting with people. I mean, I'm talking about fights. I mean, I had a, a crowbar underneath my, my seat in my vehicle because I figured it could be go time at any time. 
and I wanted to be instant in season and out season. And there were times where I used that crowbar on an on on individual's hood. There's a time when there's a guy behind a McDonald's counter. He was some teenager, you know, you could tell, and he's down behind there. And how many of you guys have ever been like, you, you don't want somebody to call you dude or bro or bud or guy? Anybody ever had that kind of whole hang up that you don't like when people call you that? I felt like, you know, you call me sir, or you call me by my name or something, but if you stand behind the counter at McDonald's, call me sir, right? I'm just thinking, customer service. And I walk up there, and the guy says, what can I get for you, guy? Did you just call me, call me, do you mean sir? Is that what you mean? And he got smart with me. And he goes, no, I meant guy. And I'm telling you, I don't know if you guys can relate at all, but I saw red, like your hair. <laughs> like red. I mean, I, I got mad. And my friends were behind me, they're getting ready to order. And I guess they weren't paying attention, everything was going on. And I just, I didn't, I just reacted. I just responded and I grabbed him by the shirt, grabbed him, dragged him off the counter and boom, on the ground. And my friends are like, dude. Like, you know, there's certain expressions about dude, like the way you use dude. Dude, that's not good. When somebody says that to you like that, that's not good. And all of a sudden, they pull me off of him, and we head out. Because what's happening next is probably the cops over something stupid. This is the kind of individual I was. I had the kind of tongue that would cut you in half. The kind of tongue that if you were existing, I could just find something to cut you down. That's who I was. I was dark. I mean, I was, I was unhappy. And there's maybe somebody here this morning on some level, you can relate. Maybe it's not those manifestations of what I'm explaining this morning, what I'm describing. But what you can relate with is this darkness that's inside of you where you're not, you, you don't have hope, you don't have light. There's just kind of just this, this negativity, this vortex of just, you're just spiraling down and you, you don't really know what's the answer. And you're like, man, when I wake up in the morning, it's just going through another day. i got to figure out how to get through another day. That's your existence. And you know what? Let me say this. In our minds of the churchy people, because we live in the Bible Belt, that's what I'm figuring, you know, now that we moved here, is that you can be a churchy person. You go into church week in and week out, and that's who you are. You're still dark even as a churchy person. We make no assumptions about people and whether or not they're in the world and they've never heard of church and they never heard about Jesus or they're people that come to church week in and week out that it's still possible that you can be living in a darkness where it's a spiritual death where what we, when we read about in the gospels that these women they came to bring their spices and Jesus had been put in the sepulcher right and these women had come to bring their spices and they looked there and there's the stone rolled away and they go in there, and they're dismayed because the only thing that's left behind are all the clothing that was connected to the death. It's gone. The, the body's gone. Jesus is not there. 
And a person says, I'm still wearing the death clothes. I come to church, or maybe I don't go to church at all, but I know what death is because I'm living it. I'm not, expect, I'm not experiencing life. I'm living just to live, and I don't even know what's next. And if you were to ask me this morning, you know, what is there to this life? You might be that person this morning, and I want to say to you, God has something else for you. Every single night for about 30 days in a row, I had the same dream. Here was the dream. Be laying on my bed, and I'm outside of my own body watching myself sleep in this dream. It was the same dream every time for 30 days in a row. And the door would open, and there would be this dark presence that would come in. Now, I'm going to tell you, I didn't know anything about God, but I knew this wasn't good. He's walking in there, and he's getting ready to grab me, to get me, to live in me. I, 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 at this point, I'm not even understanding what this dream is. But I know that it's awful. I know that what's happening here is not good. To the point where there would be this manifestation of even within the dream that I would be sweating in, the, in, in my physical body. I mean, my, my, my t-shirt, my shorts, I mean, my blankets drenched in sweat every night. And it got to a point where I didn't want to even go to sleep. I would try to stay up. I tried to drink Mountain Dew or watch a movie or something. I tried to, because I didn't want to dream this dream. And it was happening every night. And I'm like, man, I, I just don't know what to do. And I, I mean, I got to a point where, you know, when you just get tired and you're not sleeping and you just don't even feel like a human being, anybody at all relate? I'm just like, man, I, I don't even know what's going on. One night I was going to meet my friends at this sports bar. And so some of you guys have heard this testimony, but there are some of you that have not. And I, I guarantee that this testimony, my testimony, that there's some people in here that can relate to this testimony and it's going to be an opportunity for you to have a similar experience in your life this morning. And I went to this bar, man. I'm telling you, I'm standing out there in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's where I'm from. And I'm standing outside this bar and my friends are already inside. I'm always the designated driver. I don't drink. So I'm standing out there and uh, the bouncers aren't letting anybody in the bar. So I'm standing out there. Anybody ever been to Albuquerque in the winter? It can get cold. And I'm standing out there, and it's cold. And we're standing out there, and these teenagers are preaching the gospel. They're street preachers. And they have a little uh, PA, and the guy's standing on a thing, and they're handing out these leaflets as people are walking by. And I'm standing there, and he's talking about the narrow gate and the wide gate. You guys know the scripture, right? It talks about that the narrow gate's the, the gate that leads to God, and very few people are going to go through that gate. And then he said, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and most people are going to go through that gate. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm listening. You got my attention. He said, which gate are you going to go through? He continues to preach. And I'm standing there, and the people in front of me are like, well, we ought to go over there and kick their, you know, and we, we ought to go break their PA system, people behind me. I mean, there, there's not a, a really responsive attitude here. And I'm standing there, and he's talking to me. Now, these dreams that I had been having, man, I'm telling you, this darkness I've been living, getting into fights and being negative and ugly and just all of it. 
is coming to a crescendo. It's coming to that point, that apex moment. And I'm standing there and he's preaching and I'm thinking, well then, you know what I gotta do? I wanna give my life to Jesus. Because if, if it continues like this, I'm going to hell. Now we gotta stop because the pastors aren't talking about hell anymore. What I knew about myself, if I was honest, is that I was going through that, that, that wide gate that led to destruction. I knew that. As he began to talk and began to describe, he was describing me, and I knew that I needed God's intervention in my life. So I'm like, okay, tell me how. So he starts with, this is what you do. You got to admit that you're a sinner. You know, you got you to confess that. You, man, you got to communicate in a real way. Let's not get churchy this morning, you guys. All right, let's do that. Let's get real this morning. In order to admit anything about yourself, you have to be honest. There can be no messing around when you say you're sorry. Now, if you've ever sinned against somebody or somebody sinned against you, let's use that. If anybody's ever done you dirty and they say, well, you know, I just wanted to apologize uh, that, uh, you know, that all that happened. But, you know, this is why, because I wouldn't have done that to you had you not been an idiot. Is that an apology? Would you, I mean, would you take? I want to apologize that you feel that way. Is that an apology? I got to be real. I dogged you. I was ugly to you. I'm sorry. We have an opportunity now for some real relationship, don't we? Because we're actually being real. And I think that that's lacking in the churches. Uh, from my perspective, I've been a pastor. I was telling Jennifer, I've almost been a pastor as long as I've not been a pastor in my life. It's crazy. Whew, you know, that's a long, that's, you're getting old, I think is what it says. But what I've seen in the churches is that people have a hard time being real. They don't know how to. I mean, like if we have an altar call, people are like, oh my goodness, it's that time. And you know you're supposed to go, but you're not going to go. And you know why? Because you fear what somebody else is thinking about you. Does that sound real? You know what real is? I know I, know I need God. I know I'm going to hell. So I really don't give a rip what anybody thinks. Because I got to get real with God. I got to be somebody who's going to actually let it all out. Let it all down and, and be real with God. And the people who get help are those people. The people who never get the help are the ones who put on the facade. And they continue living like this. And you know what? You're not fooling anybody. The people who know you the best know who you are anyway. Isn't that crazy? And you know what's crazy? is God. Like God's like, could you imagine God? And God knows everything. How many of you guys know that? God knows everything, right? The Bible talks about, he knows how many hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. He knows everything. And so we're here trying to fool God like God's a, some kind of idiot. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, God already knows. He knows. And we, got, we come to an altar and we hold back if we even get up to go to an altar. 
let me just give you as a side issue. When you're ever in church, this church or another church, and there's an altar call, if you feel that nudge in your back, that's the Holy Spirit. And what you ought to do is heed that call. Your thought about the creator of the entire universe taking the time to talk to you? <laughs> How many people are live in China? How many people live in India? How many people live in the world, right? But he's taking the time to talk to you. I'm, I think it'd be probably a slap in his face to say, eh, I don't think so. He's talking about the creator of the entire universe taking time to talk to you. And it's this, these times where we have to get real. That's what he's looking for. God is looking for people who want him more than anything else. And until we get to that point, there's not going to be any discussion of having a relationship with God. I got to a point, I was so, I'm standing up there, and I could care less about the fight. Remember in the old days when you'd go to the bars because they had closed circuit TV, and that's how you watch the fights? Remember that? Anybody remember that? The young people have no idea what I'm talking about. They have no clue. So, closed circuit, what is that? Yeah, you go to a bar, and they'd show the fight at the bar, and you'd watch, you'd, you know, you'd go in there. I could care less about the fight. This guy's preaching, and I had 30 days of a lot of hardship. I'd had all this time after Desert Storm that I had gotten black. And now I could care less about the people in front of me, the people behind me, the people that are my friends in the bar, the fight itself. I could care less. Because the only thing I needed in that moment was to be real with God. And so when we say admit, listen, if there's going to be any kind of admission, it has to come from authenticity. It has to come from transparency. It has to be where, you know what, I'm not going to play games anymore. I'm not going to make excuses anymore. I'm not going to put off what the Holy Spirit is already putting on me in this moment. I'm going to deal with it now. God is looking for people who are going to do real business with him. Because everything else is a game. And once we can get that, whoo, because then there's this, this opportunity for forgiveness. I had a lot of things that I needed to be forgiven for. So that night, this, these guys are talking about crazy stuff I never heard of. You know, I live by the, my own golden rule. Do unto others harder than they did it to you. That's how I lived, right? And now this guy's talking about something else, and I'm like, um... Wait, I got to bless somebody who hurts me? Wait, wait, I, I got to initiate forgiveness? Wait, 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 what? what? God had done that work in, a, in an instant. He purified my heart and he gave me a different engine, a different motor. And in that line, you know what I realized? I got a lot of, a lot of things I need to be forgiven for. So I asked God to forgive me. You know what's cool about God? That when, you, when you're real with him and you ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you. And that's something you guys got to feel. I'm telling you, when you feel God's forgiveness and when you know he's really forgiven you, it sets you free. Seriously, because there's people in this room, maybe, you're carrying stuff. There are things in your past that are so stinking heavy, they're dragging you down. And you don't think it's possible for God to forgive you. It doesn't matter if I've been in Oregon, New Mexico, Texas now. People are the same. There are some times where people think, that, you know what, God can't forgive me. Garbage. Not only can God forgive you, he wants to forgive you. Have you ever thought about that one? Like God's like, oh, 
just get real with me because if you're real with me, I will forgive you now. And you think about God's forgiveness. How many of y'all have ever forgiven with strings attached? Anybody? With God, he takes your sin and he casts as far as the east is from the west. Have you ever thought about that one? Bible talks about he doesn't remember anymore. I love that. He can take you and he can, he can make you new. Forgiveness, I'm telling you, when somebody is really forgiving you from the heart, isn't it liberating? You know what it opens the door for? Relationship. When, when we experience forgiveness from God, it opens up the door for us to fulfill purpose. You and I were created primarily to have a relationship with this guy. That's why you were created. And if there's something between you and him, you need that forgiveness in order to have a relationship with him. That's why people in churches are empty. Because they still have things in their lives where they've hurt God, but they've not reconciled them. The people who are complete in the churches are the people who have done real business with God. Because they have a relationship with him. But you can't have a relationship with somebody until you make the things right. You need forgiveness. Listen, church, you need that forgiveness. In order to move forward in your faith, you need forgiveness, and you need God to forgive you. There needs to be where you go to God and you ask for that forgiveness, and he wants to give it. But he will not give it without repentance. If Charles, you shouldn't have sat in the front row because I'm going to keep using you, bro. People are like, man, I'm not sitting in the front row anymore. You know, oh, maybe I may move over here. <laughs> if I slapped Brother Charles in the face, let's pretend, okay? We won't really do it. It's like, man, I'm really not sitting in the front row. <laughs> but if I decided I'm going to slap Charles in his face, <laughs> he's like, oh, <laughs> what? And then about five minutes later, I say, hey, I'm sorry for slapping your face. He said, okay, well, don't do that again, bro. Right? Huh? <laughs> Slap him again. And then I say, hey, Charles, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Okay, well, you know, the seven times seven, right? How many times, right? Right? You guys know this passage? How many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? He says, seven times? No, 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 no. Jesus always, psst. 70 times 7, right? Okay. So I slap him again. Is this dude going to think at all that I'm sorry when I say I'm sorry if I keep slapping his face? That's not repentance. And the people in the churches, sometimes we don't know what repentance actually means. You know what repentance means? If I'm on my way to hell and I'm doing the things that are going to yield me hell, when I repent, I turn my back on that. And I'm going to move forward with God. Instead of doing what I want and living the way I want to live, I'm going to live the way God wants me to live. And for some of us, we might say, this is basic, Pastor. We already know this. But there's somebody here that doesn't know this. Or there might be somebody who knows this, but they're not living this. Forgiveness is not cheap. We think, oh, we're going to sin more so grace might abound, but that's the opposite. Paul says, by no means. We repent 
And we ask God for his forgiveness. And when we receive his forgiveness, we turn our back on that. And we, we take full advantage of that forgiveness, not stomping on it and treating it disrespectfully, crucifying the Son of God all over again, as it says in Hebrews. But that we take that precious gift and we give it the full respect by living a holy life, a righteous life, that that grace deserves. Does that make sense for people this morning? There's freedom for us this morning to, to put all of that stuff to bed and to move forward in a different life. So forgiveness is something that I didn't know. And so this guy says, well, you know, you ask God for forgiveness and he'll give it to you. But then you need to go and you need to ask people for forgiveness. And that's a, that's a crazy deal there. Isn't that true, guys? How many of you guys have ever had to ask for forgiveness? How many of you guys like to taste a humble pie? Hmm, send me another plate of that. When you have to ask for forgiveness, man, sometimes you have to go to somebody and you have to really be real. You have to say, I, I, I dogged you. Sometimes you have to go to people that they didn't know you were dogging them. Sometimes you have to go to somebody and say, you know what, hey, not only am I asking for your forgiveness, but I'm willing to give you the time to forgive me. You ever had anybody say, I'm sorry, and they're expecting a sorry back? And then when they don't get it, well, then I'm not sorry. They weren't really sorry. Sometimes when you go ask for forgiveness, there are repercussions for the things that you did. And you got to be willing to, regardless of what end of that thing you're on, See, forgiveness, I think we think it's cheap. It comes just like that. But I'm telling you, if you sit in my office and you have infidelity in marriage, that person doesn't just get over it like that. We got to work through this. I want to say to you this morning, his forgiveness is not cheap. It cost him his life purchase our redemption, Jesus had to be turned into a pile of hamburger meat for us. Let that sink in a little bit. Let, let, let that get in you a little bit. The forgiveness that God wants to grant you, it's not something that we treat flippantly or indifferently. We ought to value the forgiveness that God gives to us because it cost Jesus everything. So I admit, here's the second part. Here's B, B, is believe. So I'm standing outside that bar. I don't know these teenagers, they're teenagers. They have pimples and stuff. I'm like, who are these punks? I, I don't know them. That used to be my attitude, but man, this message I can't get away from. I don't care if it was a cat. It's a donkey, you know? The Bible talks about donkeys talking, right? You know, imagine some, I didn't care who it was coming from because I knew whatever they were projecting was truth. I knew it. And I believed that message. That night, I believed it. I left that line. My friends were still inside getting hammered. And I left that line. And I had to walk like seven miles 
to my house from where the bar was downtown. We lived way up by the base of the Sandia Mountains. That's where we lived. And I, had, I walked in the middle of January. And I can remember, believe. You talk about believe? Believe is not just talking that you believe. Anybody can believe. Talk about you believe. Believe is that you trust and you put your full um, confidence in, in whatever truth it is that, that you've received. And I remember walking from that bar and I started asking God for forgiveness and anything that I could remember. And I started, you know, just kind of thinking of who I need to call. And that night I get home about 10 o'clock. Remember the old yellow pages, the white pages? Remember those? Anybody? Teenagers have no idea. White pages. Pull out the white pages and I start going down and trying to find these people that I had dogged. People I had done dirty to. And I start calling them, hey, this is Steve Sanchez. Who? What? Whatever, dude. All right, click. Hey, I'm sorry but for this. What? All right, whatever. One after the other, one after the other. But I'm calling everybody. These dudes started talking about at the, at the bar, they were saying, you got to get into church. So I got into church. I didn't even know what to do. The first time I ever went to church, I brought a big family Bible. You guys know the ones with the European Jesus on the front? How you doing? You need a dolly to carry the Bible. You know, how you doing? <laughs> big, old, big old sucker, you know? And I, I didn't know anything. And so it was funny because um, the pastor says, turn to the book of Matthew. Well, I only have the Bible, so I guess I wasn't told about this book. <laughs> I, I didn't know that there were books in the Bible. I didn't know. You know, I didn't know. And they had red letters and black letters and little numbers and big numbers. And I didn't know there was a New Testament and an Old Testament. I didn't know anything. But you know what I knew? <laughs> I knew God loved me. <laughs> and you know what I knew? I said, I looked forward to everything that God had for me. I knew that because I knew what I had left. I knew it. I was dead and I was alive. And I remember there was a guy in the church there and man, sheesh, he come up and he kind of sidles up to me in the chair, you know, and he says, uh, and I didn't used to like people. I'd be like, what, what are you doing, bro? But that's how I used to be before. And he come over, he opens up my big old family Bible. He says, this is Matthew. I started to learn and I started to grow and there was new life. I put my belief on the Lord Jesus. And my putting my belief on the Lord Jesus was not talking. The Christians are good at talking. We need to live it. When we put our belief, our, our trust, our confidence in God, it yields obedience. It yields going wherever he leads, whatever that means. I didn't know anything about anything, but I knew that God had done something in my heart. And even if I had to learn everything from scratch, I was all right. And there might be people in here that you already know a lot more than I knew at that time. Maybe you've been going to church a long time, but you know, guys, maybe your faith has wavered. If you're honest, there's areas in your lives where you know God has called you to do something or to be something. 
and you've not trusted him. Belief is not just cognitive understanding. It's not just a profession you make with your tongue. It's whenever he says, step forward. It even goes beyond just even prayers. I put my belief in him. It wasn't in the church. It wasn't in the denomination. It wasn't in my works. It was about the cross. It was about what Jesus did to purchase my faith. What he did to pay for me. To atone for my sin. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. Is that where your faith and your trust is this morning? Just let's be, let's be real. Let's have a candid moment. Or have you put your, your confidence in the other things, your money, your talents, your big brain? I'm looking at big brain people. And you put your confidence in what you know. And your faith and your trust is not in Jesus. No matter how much you say it, your actions don't bleed that. Here's the last one. Commit. There was ABCs, and this is what this guy talked about outside that bar. He said, you need to admit, you need to believe, and here's the last part, you need to commit. And I knew what commitment was. I knew what that was. Did you know that every person in this room knows what commitment is? It might not be commitment in Jesus, or to Jesus, but you know what commitment is. How many of you guys have a hobby? Oh, come on, don't be all bashful and shy. How many of you guys are football fans? Okay, we're in Texas. You know what I know you're committed to is barbecue. People ask me, you know, like family members or people that I, you know, I've known or whatever, and they say, so how is it going so far? And you know what I tell them? You have never had brisket until you've had brisket in Texas. Straight up. Seriously. When I, I mean, you know, the, the, the different places have their strengths. In Texas... If you don't like brisket, move. <laughs> Go somewhere else. Brisket. Like show of hands. How many guys, what's the best place to go get brisket around here? What is it? Raise your hand. Your dad's. Okay, well, then I need an invite. But, right? Brisket. I mean, like I go to Dickie's and I, I don't know. You know I, it's right close to the church. What is it? Okay, okay, yeah, I've heard of that one. Yep, yep, yep. Where else? Vtex, the gut pack. You ever had a gut pack? That sounds healthy. The gut pack. Give me the gut pack. You know, it's funny because that's the most excited I've heard people get this morning. If we were going to talk about the Longhorns, or maybe we are going to talk about the Cowboys. I'm a Cowboys fan. I have been since I was this big. Don't get me started about Dak and Romo and those guys. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> uh, we, you guys, we know what commitment is. You know why? Because we are committed to all these other things that they own our time, they own our attention, they have our passion. We bleed for them. We look forward to them. We carve out time for these things. We save up money for these things. 
How many guys are Disney people? Oh, I got to go to Disney World. I got to go to Disneyland. And you know what? You only eat bologna sandwiches for months to go to Disney. And then when you go to Disney, you're taking 50,000 pictures of who knows what. Look, there's a doorknob at my hotel at Disney. Just thought I'd send that to you. Crazy stuff. I had, see, this is a true story. I had people sh sharing pictures of soap in the hotel at a Disney hotel like I care. If I'm offending anybody, God bless you. We'll pray later. We know what commitment is, you guys. But the issue is committing to God. You know what I mean? Being sold out. That, you know, if you were going to ask the question, what makes me excited in this life? What gives me a skip to my step? What's the thing that guides and directs my life? You know, when you talk about Disney, and we have these people that will save up and save up, nothing wrong with that. Enjoy your vacations. But man, do we, even, do, we do that for our tithes and offerings? <gasps> Uh-oh. No, oh, no, he didn't. I'm going to go to another church. I guess what I'm saying is when we talk about commit, the Christians are good about talking about commit, but does their life, is there fruit or evidence that we're committed to God? I mean, I love my wife. She's my heart. Till the wheel's falling off, right? I don't love her more than God. Because I love God, I'm able to love her better. You know what I mean? I'm not committed to her first. Husbands, wives, if you love your spouse more than you love God, you're not loving them the right way. You can't. You can't. It's not possible. When you love God first, then you're able to love that spouse the way that God intends for you to love that spouse. Commit. When we talk about being committed, then it would be impossible to cheat on your spouse if you love God first. It won't be possible because you put God first. These parents that love their kids more than they love God, I'm telling you, you're hurting those kids. You are damaging them. You got to be committed to God over and above everything else. If it's money, if it's time, it doesn't matter what it is. Commit. Let's not talk about commit in the church. Let's be committed. Well, don't get committed. <laughs> if you don't get that one, you can ask somebody who's laughing later. Sometimes you sound like you need to get committed, right? Whenever you're committed, you sound like a crazy person, man. You think, man, that dude belongs in a straight jacket. We got to be real with God. We got to admit who we are. We ask that for, for, for that forgiveness will be granted, that forgiveness. We need to put our, our faith and trust, belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to commit ourselves to him. And not one of those three, not two out of those three, but all of them. Let me say this as we get ready to close and our, our worship team is going to come up and we're going to have a time of song. And as, let, me, let me say this. When we go to prayer... The music's going to be playing, and you'll have an opportunity to come to an altar if you need to. And we want to invite anybody that feels the need to do that, to do that. It's about you, and it's about him. And it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It doesn't matter. 
The freedom that God wants for your life is yours if you'll grab it. But you've got to grab it. The idea of commit is that now as somebody who is sold out for God, he's going to give them power. Listen. God wants to give you power for living. He will give that person peace. Listen. The idea of peace, the word is, in the Greek, a word that means, it's, it's translated as arene. You know what that word means? Soul tranquility. That your soul is tranquil, not a ripple on it. The Masters is this week. Masters tournament, golf tournament. And there's that one hole where they always show, it's the signature hole where they have that pond. And there's never even a wave. There's not even a ripple on it. It's beautiful. It's like a meadow, calm, serene. God wants to bring that kind of tranquility to your soul. When you commit to him, God does that for that person. God gives you grace. And somebody ought to say, Amen. He gives you grace. And when he gives you grace, it's something that's unmerited, undeserved. You can't, you can't earn that. And he gives it to you. And the cool part about grace is not a license to sin, but it's an empowerment to not sin. Hello? It's power. It's a teacher. When I get his grace, woo! I'm able to live for him the way that he intended me to live. He gives you grace. You ready for this one? He gives you love. And you've never been loved until you've been loved by God. Until you've experienced the way God loves. Man, when I start thinking about love, I had no idea what love was. I'd say that word, so I love this, I love that. You don't know nothing. How do you like that grammar? And God says, he doesn't even just love as a verb. He is love and when you get God you get love and you have problems in your relationships listen I'm talking to somebody this morning you have a problem with your relationships you don't know how to love the people that in your life you don't have God that's why when you get God you learn how to love people that's why marriages that are on the on the rocks and you're ready to divorce there's maybe somebody in here, you're contemplating that. Man, I'm ready to split up. I'm ready to go my own way. I've tried and tried and tried and tried and I can't. Because you don't have God's love. You haven't been committed to God. You commit to God, he'll give you his love. And when you get his love, you know how to love people. You begin to learn that. God helps you with that. In your marriage, it's always been a mess. It's always been a problem. It's always been drudgery and hardship. The old ball and chain. That changes. God does it in you and then through you. And it's for you. All this is for you. But you got to seize it. You got to grab it. You got to run after it. The Bible says those who diligently seek him will find him. And nothing holding me back. I'll have to hurdle. I'll be Edward Moses to get down to that altar. Please don't knock little old ladies down on your way. But I'm telling you guys, listen, nothing should keep you from that. Nothing. 
I'd like us to bring the lights. Let's bring the lights down. Let's do that as we go to prayer. And as the musicians play and the singers sing, I'd like us to stand. And if you feel like God has called you to this morning to, to make a commitment to him, it doesn't matter, a, a, not a lick, what anybody thinks. I want to invite you to come to an altar for prayer. And as you do that, know this, God will meet you. He's faithful. Christ alone, I place my trust. 
God, thank you so much for this morning. We needed it. I needed it. I'm full today. And you've done that in this place that you've spoken to all your people in whatever way that you, we were allowing you to do that in us. We know that we can be transformed. We know that you can change us just like that. And we thank you that you have done that in those people that have opened up their hearts for you to do that. And for those that didn't, Lord God, that this word would endure, that there would be something that they could take away from here this morning that they could ponder, that they could think about, they could reason and rightly divide it, that your Holy Spirit would continue to water it, that there would be an opportunity for a sproutlet to come up and eventually a shoot and eventually a plant and eventually fruit. And so God, you know. We don't know, but you know. And so we're grateful that we can go to the one who knows everything, who has everything, who can do anything. And so as we get ready to go and enjoy the rest of this day with our families, enjoying fellowship and food and all of it, may we be mindful of the fact that you're no longer dead, that you're not in some tomb. You're real. You're alive. You're at the right hand of the Father. And so we're grateful that we serve a risen Savior. We love you today. And we pray all these things in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Give the Lord praise this morning. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, God bless you. Find somebody to shake their hand or hug their neck. God bless you guys. You're dismissed.